There are a lot of things that matter to me. Family, community, culture, and peace of mind. Hi, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when balancing life, I have to say nothing brings more comfort than having support. And when it comes to ensuring those things that matter to you the most, State Farm offers the support with an agent available in person or on the phone to discuss your coverage options. Support when you need it, however you choose. That's State Farm's way. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com live. A radiophonic novella, Locatora Radio, hosted by Mala Munoz and Dios FM. Welcome back to Locatora Radio. This is Mala Munoz and Dios FM. And we want to thank you guys so much for tuning in yet again to Locatora Radio. This is Capitulo Cuatro, number four. And before we jump into our new episode, um, we want to talk a little bit about what we did last time. So on our last Capitulo, we served mommies, miches, and chisme. Our good friends, a few members of the Mami Collective, were here to talk to us. We had Jessica Salgado, we had Caro, otherwise known as Gordita Applebum, and Maritza, all here joining us, talking about uh, self-love, self-care, mental health. So we want to extend a huge, huge, huge thank you to those ladies, to those mommies, and to everybody who tuned in. Um, We've gotten such a welcome reception. Uh, We've been met with so much love and enthusiasm, and we're really excited about you know, the new year to come, 2017, and really excited about this capitulo in particular. Uh, so Ariana's going to, or Diosa's going to start us off um, with some shout outs because we have a lot of people to thank and to shout out before we get started with our content. Yeah, so many people have helped us along the way to get here, and we're only on capitulo four. 
So it's so exciting that we have a community behind us. Um, again, I'd like to shout out uh, Mi Vida. They're in Highland Park on Avenue 52 and York. We're again recording here. They're so dope. They let us borrow the space after hours. So again, I'd like to shout out Noel, Dom, and Adriana, especially Adriana because she stays after hours to let us record here. So shout out, girl. We love you. And Adriana's also the artist who designed our logo. Um, and she's taken pictures of us while we've recorded. So we want to extend uh, mil gracias. So many thank yous to Adriana, who just does it all. We couldn't have done this without her. So thank you so much. Yes. And also, we want to give a shout out to Hermosa Co. On Instagram, they are at the Hermosa Co. And they sent us some pins. They're so cute. Um, I'm wearing one that says, nobody's pendeja in a black heart. It's also on my, I took a picture and it's also on my Instagram, at Dios FM. And Mala is wearing a... Um, Ni Santas Ni Putas Solo Mujeres pin. And we just want to thank Hermosa Co. for sending these out to us. As always, um, Locatora Radio supports women of color-owned businesses, local businesses, small businesses, women of color on the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, We're all about uplifting those kinds of voices. So thanks again, uh, the folks at Hermosa Co. for sending us these adorable pins. They also have a lot of other ones, so feel free to check them out. We're also going to post some pictures of them and tag them on our Instagram, which is at locatora underscore radio. If you haven't followed us yet, follow us. We're also on Twitter, (laughs) which mainly um, Mala curates because she is really, really fierce at Twitter. Thank you. I'm Twitter happy. She is. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so those are those are all the people who have helped us out so much along the way, who continue to show us love. Thank you all so much. We yes. hope we re- we can return the love, you know, tenfold. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into today's capitulo, which is uh, number four. We're talking about femme defense, and we're gonna get into a little bit. Um, what does femme defense mean? This is something that um, Ariana and I. Um, have been discussing an idea that we've really been, you know, thinking about. We've been letting it percolate in our minds for a little while. And we want to bring this to you now at at a specific point in time. And we're doing this capitulo now with intention. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, about that? Why are we doing this now? Definitely. So we're recording at the end of 2016, but this episode will be up uh, a few days after the new year starts. So 2017. And really, this episode is a result of the election. Mm -hmm. After the election, after, you know, we found out Trump won, a lot of folks in our communities, queer folks, queer folks of color, women, femmes, just a lot of folks were have voiced how afraid they are. And I think a lot of um, things that have been talked about online as a result of the election is learning Mm self-defense, learning how to protect yourself, learning how to take care of your community, how to protect your community. Uh, So we really want to elaborate on that. And um, as always, we do everything with intention. Everything is on purpose, just like our feminist is on purpose. So that's definitely something that we're going to elaborate a little bit more in this capitulo. So we just want to hold space for folks that are fearing, that are feeling fearful because of the election and want, um, want them to know that they're not alone and we're here to, to talk about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, in addition to all the discussions and we live a lot online, we live a lot on the internet. So a lot of the discussions that, that I take part in and that Diosa takes part in, 
regarding like how do we feel about the election how do we feel about the climate how do we feel about this impending presidency a lot of these discussions take place online mm -hmm. um you know diosa mentioned a few different groups of people who are expressing actively a lot of concern a lot of fear for themselves for their families for their safety because of donald trump because of his basically his regime that mm -hmm. is gonna you know come into power come january and uh a lot of undocumented women yes are very afraid, undocumented people in general. Um, I, myself and the other crisis counselors that I work with, we answer uh, hotline calls on the LA Rape and Battering hotline. And the day after the election, we were getting just inundated, flooded with calls mm -hmm. from our clients, from undocumented women um, who we had already had contact with or women who t decided to pick up the phone and call the crisis line for the first time right. and ask us, what's going to happen? What do I do? How do I protect myself? How do I protect my kids? Like very real, very tangible fear from a lot of mujeres that don't have status here, um, who have been threatened directly right, right. over the course of this election. And I want to I want to make sure that we, when we, we talk about Donald Trump and his rhetoric, that that's not just that's not just blowing smoke up somebody's ass. Those mm -hmm. are direct threats, right, right, that he makes, and have direct impacts on people and communities and families and on our psyches. Um, so, so yeah, so that's why we're yeah. here. That's why we're presenting this capitulo yeah. today. I'm glad you thought you mentioned that because um, I was also going to bring up my job. Um, I know Mala and I were both very much on the internet, but we also experienced these. Uh, the results of a lot of the things that were said at yeah. our at our workplaces, and I also work. I mentioned in the first capitulo, I work with immigrant women, mainly undocumented women, and post election, it was the same type of fear. At the agency, we like put together a list of resources for them, um, and how, of course, we're there to support them. So this is like affecting so many, so many different communities across the, across the nation. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we're really just here to to talk about how to protect ourselves and yeah. our, our communities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, the list goes on and on of, of the, the groups of people that are afraid. I mean, right. survivors in general, right. survivors who are citizens, survivors who have legal status. You know, I've, I've gotten phone calls from them, crisis calls from, from survivors all across the board talking about how triggered everybody is right. by having somebody this violent, this, this violent, this abusive, right, being put into such a, a high position of power. The and highest position The of highest power. position of power that exists. And how that was triggering as far as remembering how their abusers, the people who assaulted them, were able to get away, were able to use the same rhetoric, the same language of violence mm -hmm. and victim blaming and evasion. And, and so femme defense, what we want to talk about is really how femmes people of color, women of color, femmes of color, defending oneself is vital. And it has always been vital for us mm -hmm. as colonized subjects, as subjects who are continuously colonized or post-colonized, however you want to identify yourself. But something that we wanted to bring to the table is this idea that for us as marginalized people, self-defense and defense of one, one's community didn't start today, it didn't start yesterday, right. it didn't start during the women's lib movement in the, in the 50s and 60s. It's, we've been in a state of defense for centuries at this point, for hundreds of years. Right, I know, Mala, you have a, a particular critique about the women's liberation movement and how self-defense has kind of been co-opted, so can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? Because I know you you are a self-defense instructor, right. so you have a, your own particular opinion on this. Yes, so the reason why we wanted to call this femme defense and not self-defense 
um, is for a number of different reasons. So I um, have been trained as a self-defense instructor through my work, through the Rape Crisis Center where I work. And I, I was trained by an incredible group of women, um, really amazing curriculum that I find to be very helpful. And I'm really grateful and just so proud of the fact that I'm able to work with youth, with teenagers, with the elderly, with disabled individuals, uh, whoever might need to defend themselves, and that I can go around the city and I can teach self-defense classes, and the classes are always well-received. Um, my coworkers who also teach self-defense classes are really incredible. But something that I've noticed is that, generally speaking, when we talk about self-defense, there's this, this, this pattern where a lot of white feminists, a lot of written history locate like anti-violence work and locate self-defense as an idea, as a concept, locate the origins of those things in the women's liberation movement, right? Or in the anti-violence as being only a response to the Vietnam War. Like that's where anti-violence began for humankind, right? For me, thinking about my origins and my history as a woman of color, as a person with very real indigenous heritage, mm -hmm. as a woman and as a survivor, I think about my family and I think about the fact that self-defense of your individual self but of communities is something that women of color, that people of color have been practicing already for centuries. Right. That the origins of anti-violence begin with violence. The origins of anti-violence in our communities begin as a reaction to and a response to white violence, to colonial violence, to the transatlantic slave trade, to indigenous and African genocide, um, to the use of sexual violence and rape as a tool of war, which is something that our women in our communities have experienced since the transatlantic slave trade, since colonialism in the Western Hemisphere. So when the first white invaders mm -hmm. right, showed up, that's the day, I believe, that, that femme defense began, that anti-violence movements began, because we were in a, put in a position where we had to defend ourselves, yes. where women of color have been put in positions where we've had to defend ourselves fiercely um, for centuries. However, when we do it, when we've done it, it hasn't been recognized formally. Right. You're not going to see that type of critique in you're, you're probably in your gender studies course in college or probably in whatever feminist lit class that, that you're taking. Um, we see this erasure of women of color, of femmes of color, of people of color, and our anti-violence work and our self-defense, which really when women of color do it historically, it's community self-defense. Yeah. It's not just defense of the individual, but defense of the entire people group. So that's where... I, I wanted to come from is when we talk about femme defense, we're locating it in this specific anti-colonial history. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. But yeah, so that's that's and and an anti-capitalism, yeah, right? As yeah. well, the inception I, of capitalism. I love what you said um, about. I think prior to the us recording this episode, you you talked about how women or femmes when they're protecting themselves they're not just it's not just themselves it's their community that, yeah. that they belong to and that's generally historically how it is but for for any type of woman of color that's defending herself she's defending her tribe she's yeah. defending the people that she loves the people that she can also like bear you know absolutely absolutely and there's so many examples 
Um, I mean, we can talk about, for example, Harriet Tubman. Right. Harriet Tubman was like one of the original leaders of anti-violence work, mm -hmm. right? And if you look at, and, and like we said, we, talk, we, we live a lot online and mm -hmm. I live a lot on Twitter, right? So where white feminism fails to acknowledge, you know, women of color and black women and native women and our histories of anti-violence work, you can find that history on Twitter, yeah. right? You can find that history on Tumblr, where black women have spoken for a long time about Harriet Tubman doing anti-violence work mm -hmm. and Sojourner Truth doing anti-violence work, mm -hmm. right? And Harriet Tubman specifically fighting racial terror, generational slavery, all kinds of crazy shit, right? And, and doing so from a community lens, where she was helping like generations at that point of people to escape from that generational slavery and to escape from violence. Mm -hmm. I see Harriet Tubman as being one of the foremothers of femme defense, one of the foremothers of anti-violence work. Um, you could talk about Berta Caceres, right? Mm -hmm. and, and she recently is somebody who, she was assassinated, she, she was assassinated murdered. In Honduras. In Honduras. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you, you know, everybody probably has examples of women that they've, read about or they've heard about in history that spoke to them on a level of, you know, she, she's fighting and she was fighting and that's what we continue to do. Mm -hmm. And that, that's an icon and that's somebody who defended not only herself, but her people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you can say that for also just Latin American women in general, like protecting their soil, protecting their earth, um, protecting their communities, you know, and it's really a lot of indigenous women that are at the forefront that are yeah. doing this type of um, femme defense. Um, I think before we go any further, um, we kind of, we went a, a little past it, but we should talk a little bit about like what femme defense or what femme is. You femme, know, right. We talk about femme a lot. I know we both identify as femme, um, but maybe folks haven't heard it before. Maybe they're starting to identify as femme. And so what does that mean? You know, what does femme mean? Why is it different from, from women or, yeah. you know, we, I think we should talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, I'll start because... Yeah, for I you, actually, what is Yeah, it? I mean, I actually have a video on YouTube about this. Mm -hmm. It's like my femme of color makeup tutorial. Right. Um, and I think... So I, I created that two years ago, and shout out to Raquel from Latina Mag because she actually wrote a piece about it. Um, anyway, so for me, femme is like... It's a very intentional um, political act of femininity. It's... Um, it's more than a, it's, I want to say it's a performance, but it's also like, it goes beyond a performance, you know, but it's, it's really intentional. It's, I think a lot of, um, we, we, we can think about femininity and we can think about it as like an opposite to masculinity, but that's not what femme is. Right. But a lot of the time that's how we, um, or how folks will regard femme or femininity. It's like, it only exists as an opposite to masculinity, but that's mm -hmm. not the case. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of femmes, especially femmes of color, um, are taking are taking that that term and they're they're really owning it. They're they're paying honor to it to their femme ancestors, um, and there's it's such a powerful term. Yeah, and I think that femme also like for me I love the term so much because it can be very all encapsulating and very inclusive because yes. you can be of any gender gender mm -hmm. gender location orientation expression and be femme yes and have a femme expression and a femme identity and a femme outlook yes um and a femme aesthetic and i love that because 
often we find that the people who maybe relate to us the best and identify very well with us are not always the people who share our gender, mm-hmm. right? But we might find more kinship sometimes in people who share that feminist and yes. live in that feminist. Yes. And feminist is something that is constantly under attack, mm-hmm. constantly under attack. And femmes historically have also had to defend ourselves. Yes. And although feminist is considered like a marker of weakness or mm-hmm. fragility, mm-hmm. I don't see cis males, right, having their expression and their gender mm-hmm. really, like cishet males, their, their expression and their identity is not something that is constantly under attack right. and being degraded right. or used as an excuse to mm-hmm. degrade them. Yeah. For us, it is. Yeah, and like femininity is seen as frivolous. You know, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, Janet Mock has a lot to say about being femme. And um, she has in her, her book, uh, Redefining Realness, she talks about how she can, like, my favorite line is, like, I can, I'm like femme on purpose, and I can deliver this keynote with the brightest red lipstick you've ever seen. Right. And it's like, and I'm still gonna, like, do the damn thing. Yeah. You know, and I think at least for us, you know, there's, we're speaking that to existence, like that type of, like, femme power. And yeah. I think that's, we want this. Uh, podcast to really encompass all of that, that yes. type of like femme power. Femme power. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, okay. absolutely. Femme power, femme defense, femme independence, yes. femme aesthetics, femme, femme feels, yes. femme as resistance, all of that. Yeah. So I think maybe what we want to do now is jump into, before we, we finish up this capitulo, we want to jump into a song break. Yes. Orcasteras Peligrosas of a group of Indian women that right. are protecting protecting their community. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes, and, and these women have been in the news here and there um, over the past few years, but the Gulabi Gang um, is a group of women in India who they dress up in saris that are pink. They walk around with these big pink palos, like these big pink sticks. And when they're, they find out that somebody has you know, raped another person or somebody has molested somebody or that there's there's a, usually men, right, that have abused another individual, usually women and children. These women, the Gulabi gang, they show up and they beat the shit out of him. Yeah. Right? And because in the United States, we know that statistically speaking, only about 2% of reported cases of sexual assault result in convictions. Yeah. I don't know the statistic in India, but I don't think it's much better. Right. So what I see with the Gulabi gang, with these women, with these women of color, is that, and a lot of them are senoras, they're older women, mm-hmm. right? Because yes. I've read articles on Al Jazeera yeah. and stuff. They're older ladies. 
where they saw that the state and quote-unquote law enforcement was not protecting women in their community, they got together and they guaranteed it. Yes. Right? That, and whether you agree with their methods or not, I think it's fucking dope. I think it's dope. You know? Yeah. So that's a really good example. And they're out there and they're doing it and, and I'm proud of them. And I'm like, can we start one up here? <laughs> Yeah. You know, can we wear pink and walk around with pink sticks and just handle? Because I think that that would, I don't know, that would make a big difference. Yeah, it's needed. It's definitely needed for us. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, they're not the only example yeah. of, of women today. You know, we talked about women, you know, back in the day in history, like Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth. Um, Berta Caceres is a more recent example of, yes. of a woman of color who participated on a many different levels in self-defense and community self-defense. Mm -hmm. uh, we could also talk about Black Lives Matter. Yes, founded by women. Black Lives Matter was founded by black women. Queer black women. Queer black women, yes. And it started with a hashtag. Yes. Alicia Garza is one of them. It started online. It started online, yes. It, as a response to community-level violence, racial violence, yeah. right? Systemic violence. Systemic violence, police violence. Um, but you see that in a lot of conversations that black women and black femmes have online, they also talk about the levels to defense, mm -hmm. right, that they have to participate in. Because queer black women uh, lead Black Lives Matter, started it, really right. gave it the fire. But at the same time, black women still talk about the fact that they face a lot of violence in their communities mm -hmm. from members of their communities. Of their own community. Right. So you know, black women are, are showing up for their community, but like it's not being reciprocated, right? And we can see that in the Latino community as, as well. As well. And just like queer community as well. And all types of communities, the women, the femmes, the, the femmes. queer folks, they're they're at the forefront. They're the ones doing like the actual labor, not only maybe physical labor, like showing up to a protest or organizing something, but they're also doing the emotional labor for yeah. the folks in their community. Yeah. And then who's showing up for them? Right. That's always the question. It's right. who, who's showing up for the who's women? Who's taking care of, and we take care of each other. Yeah. You know, like femmes take care of each other, women take care of each other. Right. That type of, again, community, community defense. Yeah. And I mean, there's something to be said, and, and this is something that I, I think a lot of maybe activist groups have spoken about. It, any profession, helping profession in general, you walk into any rape crisis center, any domestic violence shelter, um, any domestic violence agency, and the vast majority of the crisis counselors, of the therapists, of the social workers are gonna be women. women. I work with all women. Oh, like, me not too. Not only like the community I work with, but my the staff at my agency. Right. All women. Right. And I think that that's. It, that's just another added layer of we do the work and we do the work and we yeah. do the work. And, then, and that's like, for us, like that's our, our, a part of our jobs, right? And that's yeah. not even talking about like the community work we do outside of our jobs, mm -hmm. right? And the stuff we do online, the stuff we do with this podcast. Right. And, you know, all the other things that we're involved in. Yeah. So who's there for us, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and like you said, we have to be there for each other. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just so interesting that just over and over again, we see like the people who are most marginalized are the ones who have to continue to put themselves on the line. We can talk about Standing Rock. Yes. And the indigenous women and the indigenous femmes at Standing Rock and how they participated in this huge movement for community self-defense yeah. you know defense of their water supply of their children's health mm -hmm. you know i see standing rock as basic human rights yeah. basic human rights 
And yeah, I see Standing Rock as just another example of this is an area where women of color, where indigenous women, indigenous men were obviously there putting their bodies on the line. But I, I see a lot of the fact that women really like were at the forefront and yes. really were organizing and bringing people together and really keeping things moving over there. Um, so I would locate Standing Rock as an example of femme defense. Yes, I agree. Uh, and, and then more, like, less formally in our own lives, right? In our right? own lives. What do we do to stay safe, to protect ourselves and our community? Yeah. Our femme defense. Our femme defense. Well, Diosa, who... Because I, I feel like most girls, yes. right, growing up, your mother, your grandmother, your tia, your older sisters, your cousins, somebody probably gave you, gave all of us tips mm -hmm. on how to stay safe in an extremely in a world that's extremely dangerous for girls right. i think my experience with being told like how to protect myself is also related to like my body being policed so like telling me what i can and cannot wear interesting out of like protection to myself right mm -hmm. um i think something that a lot of us are probably told by our moms is like, you know, you have to sit with your legs closed. Right. You know, you can't have your legs open because you don't want anybody looking at you there or like thinking a dirty thought. Right. Right. Or like going to the bathroom in, in pairs. Mm -hmm. um, never being alone if you're going to be outside. So right. I feel like it was like indirect to like self-defense or like protection, but it was also like shaming in a way because yeah. it's like, don't wear that. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know? Yeah. But I think at least for my mom and the other folks that helped raise me, um, that was their way of, like, trying to take care of me. Mm -hmm. um, I mm -hmm. think now, like, as an adult, I've developed my own type of, like, femme defense. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I'm interested to hear, like, who taught you how to protect yourself. I think that I had a very similar experience, especially when you're, like, well, my mom is very thin, and my mom has always been very thin. And me and my sister, we take after my dad and his family, and we're very nalgona. We've always mm -hmm. have been. Like when I was when I was already in like the fifth grade, I was already wearing a bigger cup size than than my mom and my tias. And I remember I had a tia make a comment to me. I must have been thirteen or fourteen, and she was an adult, you know, and she already had her kids. And she said to me, like, oh, I didn't have curves like that until, until I was I six months a, pregnant. Right, yeah. Oh, I've heard things like that too, yeah. <laughs> you know? So for, for them, because my mom is, and my mom and her sisters are very white looking and are very thin and are just not as curvy as me and my sister. So I think for them and for my mother there, and my grandmother, there was a lot of, you know, you have to cover up. and right. Because anything that we wore looked or was perceived as more sexual right. than on another kid who was, who, you know, was skinnier. Right. Like the hypersexualization of young girls, young yes. girls of color. Yes. Oh, absolutely. The hypersexualization. I mean, I remember walking home from school one day, I was a freshman in high school mm -hmm. and I wasn't comfortable with any of my classmates yet. So I wasn't comfortable asking anyone for a ride. Okay. So I walked home one day and this white man in a fucking Mercedes started following me Damn. down the street and like parked next to me and like wanted to try and get me in his car and I freaked out and I started screaming and yelling and I ran and I ran to like the nearest church and like I walked into the church that was safety yeah. <laughs> yes that was safety um but it, yeah the policing of the body um policing of our dress is often the I think for a lot of our mothers is, is often the only like tangible yes. piece of advice and safety that they have for us. Mm -hmm. But 
on the flip side, you know, I mentioned my father. My father's mother was was very was different, and she was she was a pachuca, and she she was a a farm worker. She picked cotton and she picked grapes, and all of her mm-hmm. kids were child laborers, and my dad was a child laborer, and she used to carry a blade in her hair, Damn. you know, and talk about femme That's defense. She would rat up, and she had very, 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 very curly, very thick hair. And she would like rat it, rat it up like into a beehive, mm. and then stick her blade in there. Damn. You know, so like That's the bitter. hairdo with the blade. Yeah. And I'm like goals, like I aspire, but that's like what I think of when I think of like femme defense. Like, what would? Why did she need that blade? What was she up against? Mm-hmm. What kind of threats was she up against in her day to day lives here in Cal? In her day to day life here in California, right? Being a woman of color, being a laborer, being poor, being dark. You know, she must have been facing a lot of different types of violence. Yeah. So I would. I don't know. I think that I have that influence that I know of that kind of fierceness. And then I also have had that experience of, well, the way that we were taught to stay safe is by muting ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my other grandma used, you told me a story once about back in Mexico on the fucking rancho, she had to like pistol whip some guy. Oh, shit. And it's so funny because my grandma, she's so old that the way she talks about it is like very nonchalant. Like I think she was just washing dishes one day and she was just mumbling under her breath. Is this your grandma Nacha? <laughs> my grandma Nacha. She's still alive. <laughs> my other grandma with the switchblade is grandma Linda and she passed away years ago. But, you know, so I feel like when the time comes or when women in my family have been confronted with that necessity, they've been able to deliver, mm, you know, and to defend yes. themselves. And that's what inspires me. Yeah. I know my mom also has similar stories where she would like get into fights. Like my mom has gotten into fights and I, I feel like I wouldn't really like seeing my mama now. I'm like, mm, I don't see that, you know, right. but you know, she also like knew how to protect herself too. Good. And She's gotten into fights. She's gotten into her her few fights, you know. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I think I like what you said about like. Um, I think we learn to to mute ourselves. Yeah. Right to protect ourselves, and I think like for me, that's still something that I'm working through because when I get like street harassed or I'm being harassed by somebody, I like I choose to ignore it because I don't feel safe. Like, cause if, I will like. I will talk back, right? right? I have a whole lot of things to say. Yeah. But if I'm out and about by myself, like, what happens if I say something and then they fucking attack me, yeah. right? And, like, there's, there's like, actual... It happens. There's actual stories of, like, women turning down men and they kill them. Like, this Literally. is not, like, made-up shit. Like, no. This is actual, like, terrific, uh, like, inflicted upon women for saying no. Oh, yeah. Right? For protecting themselves, for defending themselves. So I think for me, like, I'm still working through the, like, not being quiet part of it. Um, and I think, like, aesthetically, like, not only, like, my nails serve as, like, aesthetic, but, like, they're my defense. You mm-hmm. know, like, I know that if I if I ever need to use them, like, I will use them and they will protect me. Oh, yeah. You know, so many, so many things that, like, about my femme, like, aesthetic is, like, on purpose and also, like, a part of my defense. Yeah. I love that. I love that. One of the techniques that we teach, and we're going to do some little clips of, like, tips and tricks for femme defense that we're going to put up on our IG. So look out for those. One of my favorite techniques that I always love to teach is the eye gouge. Yes. Because it's so effective. And if you want to disable an attacker, that's the way to do it. If you got, if you have tips, claws, nails, 
that's the technique for you. So make sure you check out our Instagram after we um, post this capitulo because we're going to be posting those yeah. different tips and tricks. Uh, but no, yeah, and, and it's very real. You know, I don't ever want to give this idealistic view of femme defense that, you know, defending yourself is going to always keep you safe every right. time. And it, it should only look like this. That's not true. That's not true. You know, in this episode, we're really just providing our individual experiences, our tips, our tricks, you know, based on our personal experiences and also research that we've done. Um, but self-defense or any type of martial art or any type of weapon that you right. carry on you, nothing's a guarantee. Right. I don't know what you all are going to be facing and what you all are going to be up against. Mm -hmm. And like Diosa said, there's very real examples here in LA. You know, we track these things because of, of the work that we do, but just right by my house, not too long ago, there were, I remember there was a story about two young women who I think must have been high school age, and they were on Pico Boulevard at a bus stop. And mm. you might have read about I remember, this. Yeah. yeah, and these two men who I'm going to, I'm going to assume that they were Latino because this was in Pico Union. Um, I'm just going to make the, the assumption, but I know that two men drove up to these women, these girls, I should say, because they were underage, they were high school girls. They drove up to these girls at the bus stop and said something to them or asked them out or wanted their phone numbers, and the girl said no. So these guys drove away, and one of the girls called her mother, mm -hmm. and her mother showed up at the bus stop. And while this girl was waiting for her mom to show up, these guys went somewhere, got a fucking gun, and then drove back to the bus stop and shot one of the girls and, and, and her, her mom. mom. Yeah. Right? So there's no guarantee that if you're if you stay quiet in in a in a potential potentially dangerous situation that you will be safe. If you're quiet, you could be met with retaliation. Mm -hmm. There's no guarantee that if you defend yourself, you won't be met with violent retaliation because we see examples daily almost of women doing one or the other mm -hmm. of staying quiet in the face of violence and still being retaliated against and women standing up for themselves in the face of violence yeah. and still facing retaliation. Right. I think like, yeah, you, what you're saying is really, <clears throat> really important. Um, and I think it just reminded me of how um, we keep each other safe. Mm -hmm. Like women, femmes, we keep each other safe. You know, I have a best friend who she trains in um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and she's always, like, showing me, like, little moves whenever I see her. Like, she's trying to, like, teach me little things, and she's always encouraging me to, like, take a class with her. And that's something that's really out of my comfort zone because it is, like, at a, like practically, like, an all-male gym. Oh, okay. So that's definitely out of my comfort zone. But, like, just, like, her, her thought of me, like, being like, hey, I really want you to come do this with me. Or, like, even she sees me, she's like, you, let me show you this. You mm -hmm. know, and it's like, we're looking out for each other. We're constantly, like, thinking of people that may need this. Like, you're out, you're out in the field. You know, you're out working and you're doing this community work. Like, you, you should know how to do this, you know? Yeah. So we're constantly, like, thinking about each other. And, and that's how we keep knowledge. each other safe. Yes. That's good. Everybody should have a girlfriend like yes. that. <laughs> Find yourself a girlfriend who's going to share knowledge with you and, and teach you, you know, what they know. Or, yeah. or maybe you could be that person mm -hmm. for your girlfriends. Yeah, I think, like, we're going to leave a post. We're going to post something, like a text image on our Instagram. And we're, we would like for you to share, like, some of your tips, um, some of your femme defense, how you, how you, you know, stay safe. And anything along the lines of that, we'd love to hear from you Yes, please 
um, do that comment or message us. But but I I think so we can make this a community share, mm-hmm. a community femme defense share. We want all the femmes, all the mujeres, everybody. If you have tips, if there's something you've learned along the way, please comment and post on on our Instagram so everybody can see. Yes. If you're comfortable. If you're comfortable. If not, like shoot us a DM. You know, so we can we can engage in a conversation uh, with either of us. Yeah, we would love to to have that with all of y'all. Yes, and um, Diosa, what are your favorite like femme defense? Like, what do you do to keep yourself safe? Keep myself safe. Mm, I stay fierce constantly. Constantly. Like I, I think I'm always on on alert. Mm-hmm. Um, I never, if I'm walking, I like I never have headphones in. I know some people use that as their femme defense mm-hmm. because they don't want anybody to talk to them. But for me, like, I feel like that keeps me from being on the alert. Okay. Um, I'm always, one thing in particular is if I'm at a restaurant, I sit, um, I will never sit with my back to the door. Right. So I need to see everybody that comes in and out. Mm-hmm. I like, I always have my eye to like, like, um, what is it? Like. Soy vigilando. Yeah. You know, siempre estoy vigilando. Good. So for me, that's how I like feel more comfortable. I feel safe. Um, and if not, like just a simple, if I'm walking or I'm somewhere, I'll call somebody and mm-hmm. be like, can you just stay on the phone with me while I do this? Because I'm feeling a little weird. Yeah. You know, so I think having those, that type of, um, like your contact list, like who can you call if you're not feeling safe? Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, those are really great. So you practice a lot of like awareness. Yes. Awareness is what I'm hearing. Yeah. And I, I, I do that too in like, I don't like having my back to the door or mm-hmm. my back exposed. I'd rather yeah. be up against the wall. Same. So I can see everything in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I don't know where I learned that from, but it just, it makes me uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable if my back is exposed. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like that people can see something that I can't. It makes right. me feel like uneasy. Yeah. You know? No, that's really good. And the definitely uh, calling somebody, I'm not afraid to, I've taught myself or I've forced myself to not be afraid to look at people in the eye when I'm on the street. Um, and that I'm, you know, whatever tips that we share is what we're comfortable doing. I'm comfortable practicing these things. So I do them because it makes me feel secure. But if you're not comfortable doing these things, then don't do them, you know? Um, but one reason, uh, you know, a lot of women, a lot of femmes walking around, a lot of us, and I notice this about myself, will often, you know, look to the floor mm-hmm. or I'll avert our gaze when there's a man walking towards us. And that can be a very safe thing to do. Some men read something as simple as eye contact as an invitation. For some men, just looking at them is enough for them to bother you. Right. Right? The for me, I, depending on the situation, I will look whoever's approaching me or crossing my path or in the same room as me. And if they make me uncomfortable, I'll look them right in the eye so that they know that I see them. Mm-hmm. If I have to ID that person for mm-hmm. whatever reason, I can do it, you know, because I've, I've made it an intention to look at them and they know that I see them. That's something that I do. The other thing that I like to do is, you know, anytime you're walking by any type of like a car or a window, a reflective (laughs) surface. Uh Yeah. You know, like I like to check myself out and, you know, if I look cute or check out my outfit. But if you're looking in a car, you can see a few feet behind you and see if someone's following. Yeah. You do you do that, too? Yes. You do that, too. I also do that. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah, that's a really good one. I like that one. I mean, keeping even if you just have somebody if you're in a sticky situation and you're not comfortable maybe pulling out your phone, something that 
I've done and that you can do, even if your phone is just in your pocket and you have someone on another call, mm -hmm. if they can listen to what's happening, that person's technically a witness to what's right. just occurred, mm -hmm. if they can hear what's going on, right? Um, yeah, so those are, I mean, for me, those are like some of the basic ones that, that I practice just here and there, especially on the street, just keeping myself safe. Yeah, thank you for sharing those yeah. tips. I think they're, they're really important, and I'm really excited to hear... Um, or to read what some of y'all are going to post on our, on our Instagram. So yeah, oh my please God. share with us. Please <laughs> share with us. And I'm wondering, did you guys, I wonder how many of you or Diosa, did your mom or your grandma ever talk to you about having a fuchi face Yes. out in public? Yes. A fuchi face? Yes. So what, what, what would you, how would you define a fuchi face? Okay. A fuchi face, I guess like now would be like, kind of like your bitch face. Yes. Yeah, so it's just like the pones la mala cara, so yes. like nobody bothers you. Yes, my yeah. ugly face. Yes. Don't mess with me. I look. Yes. I like to look mean, mean as hell, mm -hmm. mean as hell. And I don't give a fuck. Like I'm, I'm sure maybe you've had guys. Why are you mad? Mm. Why are you upset? You should smile, smile more, or no, whatever. No, the fuck I should yeah. not. Stop telling women <laughs> to smile. Yes. Um, you know what? I feel like that's something I developed as a as a teenager, as an adult, because my mom is like so smiley. Mm. So for for me, my mom would actually tell me to smile. Okay. So I didn't get that like that fuchi the face. The fuchi face. Right. But I feel like it's something I developed afterwards, like being in being in the world. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta protect myself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's so important. And your face. Ah, uh, yeah. Like our faces. Sometimes we don't notice, but if we get nervous and we tend to smile when we're mm -hmm. nervous, you know, I don't want to police anybody's facial expressions. You can't help it sometimes right. if you smile when you're nervous. But it's good to know yourself and to know your body, to know your, get to know your face, mm -hmm. you know? How do you react physically when you're in a difficult situation? How do you react physically when you're, you know, when you're, you're, you feel cornered, mm -hmm. you know, when you're nervous? Yeah. Do you smile? Is that read as an invitation? Mm. You know, it's just good to know yourself. You can practice your you fuchi can. face. Yes, practice it in the mirror. Send yes. us a selfie of it. <gasps> that would be a fuchi face. Send us Hashtag your fuchi, fuchi face. face. I love it. Yes, let's do that. We're going to do that. Hashtag fuchi face. Femme defense. Hashtag fuchi face. So please send us your femme defense tips. tips. Hashtag femme defense. Send us your Fuchi face. How, do, how are we going to spell Fuchi face formally? F-U-C-H-I. Fuchi? Fuchi. <laughs> right? Yeah. So hashtag Fuchi face. F-U-C-H-I. Show us your mean mug, your Fuchi face. Yes. You know, what do you put on to tell people to back the, the fuck, fuck up? Off. Yeah. Get the fuck away from Get me. Get the fuck away. Don't approach me. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone. Mm. Let's see your Fuchi face and your femme defense techniques. And in the meantime, I think that's where we, we can start wrapping up now. Yeah, no? we, we touched everything for this capitulo. Like Mala said, we are going to be posting um, femme defense videos, like little IG clips. Um, that was something that, because we're talking about it, but we also want to show y'all, like, yeah. how to protect yourself. Maybe you've never been, um, you've never experienced a type of femme defense or self-defense class. So that's something that we want to make accessible to folks because it, it can be expensive. You know, yeah. some places offer for free, which is great. Some places don't. So we want to make this as accessible as possible because we want y'all to stay safe. Absolutely. And if you are interested, you know, the, the, what we're going to show on our Instagram is nothing too intense because there's some physical techniques that it's best to learn 
in a group setting or at a gym or with like a professional watching you and making sure that you don't hurt yourself. So I don't want to introduce any physical techniques over the interwebs that, you know, you might hurt yourself doing. It's just, these are very basic tips and tricks that are accessible and easy to get you guys started, to get you inspired, to get you thinking about femme defense, to get you thinking about, you know, defending yourself and your communities. Maybe in 2017, that can be an intention you set for yourself. Go take a boxing class, kickboxing. Most, if you, if you go to your local domestic violence agency or rape crisis center, you can usually find some type of a self-defense class, low cost, free, sliding scale. So, you know, this is in no way meant to be exhaustive. Right. We're or just a substitute. Trying, or a substitute. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So, thanks so much for listening again. We'll have um, our... We'll talk about our fifth capítulo in the upcoming weeks. Yes. But we're going to leave you with this. So thanks again for tuning in. Besitos. Besitos. <laughs> what the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens. But trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support. 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.